Out of all the Bible characters in uh, the New Testament, Paul would have to be one of the most uh, decorated and amazing characters uh, to look at in Scripture. And his name, of course, was not always Paul. It was Saul. How convenient. You only have to change one letter of your name. You know, birth certificates, marriage certificates, all that type of stuff. Just change one letter. But uh, he, of course, is well known as Paul. And uh, Paul wrote about a third of the New Testament, so he's got some good credentials. He's got something to say. And this morning, I want to just read some passages as we go through what I want to share. But I want to turn our attention to the first letter that he wrote. uh, One of the letters, not the first letter. The letter he wrote to a group of Christians in Philippi. uh, And let's look at Philippians chapter 4, 10 to 13. Um, If we could turn there, please, and we'll have it up on the screen. Echo, we use it okay. No, sounds just to me. I rejoice greatly. You get the feeling straight away from Paul here. There's something pretty, pretty positive he's about to say. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. He's talking about the Christians at Philippi. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstance. Um, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Great. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you today for your word. Holy Spirit, reveal your truth to us. Amen. I can do all things through him, Christ, who gives me strength. It's an interesting um, verse, and it's a great quote, and people often quote it, I should say. Um, People often quote it, because we know that verse, you know, and maybe sometimes we say that verse ourselves, or you had someone else say that verse to you, I can do all things, I can do, you know, and and, and the truth is, you might be going through a really bad time, and then you have this wonderful person come up to you and say, oh, you know, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and and if reality is that you go, yeah, yeah, thanks, (laughs) Uh, thanks for reminding me of my inabilities. But, uh, but the, you know, the truth is that it is still a truth. It is still a reality. Um, you just kind of got to be tactful when you share it, I suppose, with some people. But as I look at this, this verse today, this is not a quote from Paul when he was having a necessarily a good day. Okay? His tax refund hadn't come back with extra money than more than he expected. His coffee wasn't made extra specially nice that morning, that morning, necessarily. Everything wasn't necessarily falling into place for him, okay? It was not necessarily a good day, and yet we see Paul wrote this verse, inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that he could stand upon the truth in the midst of trouble and chaos and remind himself, that's a reality. I can still do all things through Christ who strengthens me, even when the day isn't going well. Even when life isn't going well, and here's the good news, it doesn't change for us either. Today, we could stand upon the same verse, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Now, it's very easy for me to say that, and sometimes I want to be careful that we don't take well-known verses of Scripture and just kind of they become something that are useless because we just know them and we just quote them, but they never touch more than our head and they never go to our heart. 
because I think we've got to take those verses. You know, we are more than conquerors, and you know, all these wonderful verses. I can do all things. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Do you really believe that? You know, I'm talking to myself here this morning. So, someone said, and you know, the truth is, Paul is not having. You know, Paul didn't have a. He didn't have the most exciting life. Let's just recap for a moment. Paul, if you want to think about Paul, he, he, was, he said in Philippians 3, we won't turn there, but let me just relate it to you. He said in Philippians 3, you know, in relation to knowing God, I knew it all. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews, born of the tribe of Benjamin. I was an Israelite. As far as the law is concerned, faultless. I was the best religious leader you have ever seen. As far as persecuting those stupid people who believed in Jesus, I was the best. I was at the top of the tree. I reached the ladder of the pinnacle of my career. I, I was there when they stoned Stephen. I was there. I had it all together. Highly intelligent religious leader. And Paul is saying, I knew I, all of this, I knew about God. But did you know that Paul, in his early life, knew about God, but he spent the rest of his life, after he had an encounter with Jesus Christ, he spent the rest of his life um, getting to know the God he thought that he knew. And sometimes I, 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 it's a challenge to me, do I think I... Because I think it's a dangerous statement to go through life and say, I know about God. Because I think God will challenge that. If there's some time in your life, that will be challenged. Do you really? Because Paul, he was faultless in his regards to what he was as a Pharisee. But then he spent the rest of his life getting to know the God that he thought he knew. And, and, and um, the, the thing we see is, of course... On the day that he was going to persecute Christians in Damascus, Jesus Christ, post-resurrection Jesus Christ, that means Jesus has died and is with his father, he's come back and he, he has an encounter. He, he talks to Paul directly and uh, he blinds him and then he says to Paul, basically, Paul, you are on the wrong team and Paul realizes, had a revelation, has an understanding goes into, uh, into Damascus, a, a guy called Ananias comes along, puts his, puts his hands on Paul, reluctantly, because he wasn't quite sure Paul, what Paul was going to kill him or love him, and uh, Paul is, uh, scales fall from his eyes, Paul gets up, he starts to preach the gospel straight away of Jesus Christ. What a turnaround, would you agree? And uh, the people, uh, now people wanted to kill him like he had just wanted to kill others. So his life wasn't a bed of roses from that moment. In actual fact, he left the comfort of being uh, well-regarded uh, at the pinnacle of his career. You know, all those things, uh, a pretty comfortable life. He had finance. He had all he wanted. He went from a comfortable life as a Pharisee to a life of chaos and trouble as a Christian. And, and the whole thing can be... And the, the point that really turned it around was when he came to Jesus Christ. So life before Jesus... Pretty comfortable. Life after Jesus, uncomfortable. Oh, does that sound like Christian living? <laughs> I've discovered that, that a measure of a person's success is not what they achieve so much as what they overcome. And Paul, for him, it wasn't so much he succeeded, it's what he overcome that we really need to be thankful for because he, he shines the light for all of us to see. And, you know, in all of these things, Paul says something incredibly powerful. 
He says, all those struggles and all the sufferings that I've gone through. And he says, you know what? All the things I've faced, I've been shipwrecked, whipped. They stoned me and actually thought I was dead. Everybody walked away and I got up and walked away. How would you be? Stoned and you get up eventually and walk away. You know, all those things that he went through, he says, you know what? This is the secret. He says, there's something very special I want to share with you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He says, I can do, he says, you know, I know what it means to be in plenty and a want, and yet I can do all things. In other words, the circumstances don't, don't now so much challenge me, whether it's good or bad, but I just know that Christ is there. I, um, some years ago, uh, actually very many years ago, 1983, uh, it was the very day that um, Michelle um, brought home our second little girl. And, um, and it was the very day that my eldest two little two-year-old um, was running around a glass-topped coffee table, fell over, and her head went directly onto the edge of the glass and split her eye open just above her eye, about a 15-millimeter slice. And, and it, that wasn't bad enough. It kind of just opened right up. And so I dropped Michelle off at home. I came and picked up my little two-year-old. It was no one's fault. It was her fault. But I picked her up and um, blood, you know, not that I saw that my precious sister had to deal with the blood before I got there. But I had to take her to the doctors. And so I took her to the surgery where the present windmill center is. And, and uh, she was pretty distraught. She was pretty upset. She was only a little two-year-old. And um, she, didn't, she wasn't enjoying this experience. And in fact, she was screaming and thrashing. And, 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 and the doctor said, you're gonna ha going to have to hold her down because I want to inject um, um, a needle into the cut and, and, you know, and to actually um, anesthetize it. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, putting that little hook, you know the little hook they put stitches in? Any parents seen that one? Yeah, that's going to be far worse if we don't put a, um, a needle in there and anesthetize it. And I said, yeah, I understand, doctor, I understand. But right now we've got a little girl that's just not enjoying life. And she was, you know, and so we wrapped her in a blanket and I literally laid on top of her, on top of the doctor's bed right there. And my nose is with her face to face, eyeball to eyeball. And she's screaming at me, don't do it, daddy, don't do it. And, you know, you're trying to explain the reason. Honey, how can you explain to a two-year-old that you've got to stick him with a needle in a cut that's 15 millimeters long so it's better for her? It's going to be okay. It's going to be better. She says, no, it's not. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I really don't know what she thought I was going to do to her because it was nothing to do with me. It was all to do with the nasty doctor. But <laughs> I had to endure the pain. My heart was melting, folks. Here's my two-year-old thinking I'm going to inflict something upon her. And I tried to reason with her. I tried to give her a reason to comfort her. But you know, that's impossible under the circumstances to reason with. There's no amount of saying, well, it's this, this, is going, you know, this is going to make you feel better. It's going to be better in the end. How do you reason that? There's no, you know, it couldn't be reasoned. I couldn't comfort her with my reasonings. But after it was all finished, and I, the needle went in, and the eye went numb, and the stitches went in, and I watched it all in full color. <laughs> and they stitched her up and tied it off. 
And eventually we unwrapped it from the blanket and I held her in my arms for probably five, ten minutes. And she finally stopped crying and then she stopped sobbing and then she just held me. And she was comforted. And right then I realized something about the incredible things that God is saying to Paul here. Comfort comes not in always knowing the reason why we suffer. But comfort just comes when we know the comforter. And Paul is saying, I know what it's like to be in want and plenty. He's not giving us reasons this morning. I know what it's like to be, have a lot and have very little, be hungry and to be well-fed. He's not giving us why those things happen. Because sometimes in the midst of our trial and struggle and suffering, we want to know why, why. And you've heard me say it before, but the answer may never come for the why question. But the comfort from knowing the answers sometimes doesn't even give comfort when you know the answer to the reason why. But I want to tell you this morning, Paul says, I know the strength, the comfort, the encouragement I have is in Christ Jesus. And because he's within me, that's where I get the comfort. And he holds us like a dad would hold a little girl and say, it's okay. And he holds us till we stop sobbing and he holds us till we stop crying And it doesn't make the situation necessarily change what we're facing, but it gives us something inside of peace and strength. And it's why Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We need Jesus Christ in our life through the Holy Spirit. We've been singing about him this morning. Uh, There's nothing like it. So why, so what did Paul have strength for? I want to just share with you three things this morning. Three things that Paul had strength for in facing what he faced in life. And, and, and through that, we'll just read a number of his passages that he wrote to different churches and different situations. And, and the first thing that I've learned that Paul had strength to trust, trust his God. And trust is a big thing in today's world because we have a world that we can't trust in. You know, who can we really trust in? You know, just, there's another nine people dead this morning because someone shot them in Munich in Germany. You know, who can we trust? Even, to, that's what I want to say, even when bad things do happen to us, I, I want to tell you, it'll create turmoil, but you can still have peace because you know the God of peace. There's a world that isn't easy to live in, and I'm not a prophet of doom, but the reality is I'm just glad if for some reason I walked out there and a man shot me, in the end, I know where I'm going and I can still trust my God. God forbid that would happen, but the reality of this world, some Christians face that on a daily basis, that they might not live through another day in this world, and they have to have something greater than this world to lean upon. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. So Paul had the, strength, had the strength to trust. This is a great passage that he wrote in 2 Corinthians. He said, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, We don't want you to, in the dark, friends, about how hard it was when all this came down on us in, Asian, in the Asian province. This is the Message Bible. So it was, it was so bad we didn't think we were going to make it, Paul says. We felt like we'd been sent to death row, that it was all over for us. As it turned out, 
It was the best thing that could happen. Instead of trusting in our own strength or our wits to get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. Not a bad idea since he's the God who raises the dead. And he did it. He rescued us from certain doom. And he'll do it again, rescuing us as many times as we need rescuing. What a great way to put it. I don't read the Message Bible all the time, but I do admire the thoughts there in that particular um, uh, you know, reference and application of the message has put it. And the interesting thing is, Paul and his friends thought they were dead. They were gone. They were finished. Life had finished for them through this situation that was happening in Asia. Whatever it was, not quite sure what was happening, but he thought, this is it. I'm the end. And yet we see God pulled them through as they trusted in God right through this situation. And then Paul goes on to say, you know what? If we ever face something like this again, um, you know what? I can trust him that he'll, he's going to bring us through again because he's not finished with us yet. He wants us here on earth for a good reason. Paul's saying, I couldn't trust in my willpower. I couldn't trust in my religious beliefs. I couldn't trust in my great knowledge, but I could trust in his strength in my life. I could trust that he'd have it there for me. God hasn't changed from the days of Paul. He still teaches. You know, God still teaches and the believer to value his promised truths from the Word of God by making him wait for them to unfold and compelling him to pray and trust for God's truths and promises that he's given you. Doesn't he? We all wish that God would have given us, you know, answered our prayer kind of when we wanted it answered. But God has a bigger and better plan, hasn't he? He still puts his hand of love on a person in such a way that he gets rid of self-will and ego and pride and makes us rely on him. And God gave Paul the strength to trust in him, trust in God through what he was facing. You know, interesting thing here, but, you know, faith and trust are interesting concepts because faith, I've discovered, is something that I often need when I first step out into something that I've never, never done before. It's a bit like Peter stepping out of the boat, hadn't walked on water before. It was a real faith step, wasn't it? We've all taken those faith steps. We will take faith steps in the future. We, we need faith. Faith is often characteristic characterized by the fact that we've never been this path before. We don't know what to do. We can't see the future. We've just got to have faith in what God says is true, and we've got to step out of the boat. Faith is like that. Trust is a little different, because trust is often seen in the light that, hey, I've, had, I've been with God for a while. I've had some experiences. Now, he, he, he rescued me in 2002. He brought me through in 2002. He's the same God who will bring me through in 2008. He's the same God who will bring me through in 2014. He's the same God who's going to bring me through now in this situation in 2016. That's trust. Can you see that? We can trust him. Paul said, Paul says in this verse, he says, hey, hey, he's rescued us before. He'll do it in the future. I can trust him. And some of us say, but oh, can we really? Do you know what? I've discovered that I don't trust necessarily the answer that I want. I trust the answer that God gives me. I don't need to trust my, because, you know, I'll pray for something and then I just manipulate it in my mind and this is how it should unfold. This is how it should work. And it doesn't work that way. And I say, I can't trust God. No, 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 no. You're just trusting in what you want. Trust him in what he wants to give you. It's a big difference. And faith can often be walking on the water, 
But trust is when you step out the second time and you've already done it again and say, he will be there. Or he can give me, he will give me the best. God has not, you've got to settle in your mind that God is good and he wants the best for you. And in the midst of sometimes when you're laying on the doctor's table and a needle has been stuck in your eyebrow with a 50 millimeter cut, it's hard to say, oh God, this is good for me. Or you're a dad laying on top of your daughter, you know, trying to hold her down and thinking, oh, this is, this is horrific. I just don't like what's happening here. You know, you're thinking, God, this is good for me. You know, so in the, in the midst of what we face, it's painful, but saying, come on, there's God could work things through here. Paul said, hey, you know, here's the secret. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I've learned the secret. You know what the secret is? Christ in me. Christ in me. Some would say, I know what the secret is. He'll give me every answer I want in the world. No, that's not the secret. Christ in me. Oh, I know the secret. He's going to answer every prayer exactly how I wanted it. No, no, no. That's not the secret. It's the secret Christ in me. His power in me. Here's the second thing that I think Paul uh, learned. To, to, and this is an important one. You might see it's very important, but the strength to perceive. Perception means to become aware of or understand something. You know, my greatest heart this morning is, my greatest desire, I should say, this morning in my heart, is that you would perceive this incredible revelation of Jesus Christ wanting to live in us and give us strength. Give us strength. And, and the perception to understand. Second Corinthians chapter 4, 7 and 11. Treasure is kept in, in, once again, this is the new living uh, revised version treasure is kept in jar clays in the same way we have the treasure of the good news in those earthly bodies of ours that shows that the mighty power of the good news comes from god it doesn't come from us we are pushed hard from all sides we are not but we are not beaten down we are bewildered this is paul speaking but that doesn't make us lose hope others make us suffer but god God does not desert us we are knocked down but we are not knocked out we always carry around the death of Jesus in our bodies. In that way, the life of Jesus may be shown in our bodies. We who are alive are always in danger of death because we are serving Jesus. So his life can be shown in our earthly bodies. Paul experienced incredible trouble because he was connected to Christ Jesus. And he realizes that, some, that nothing that is happening to him is really nothing to do with him. It's got everything to do with who is inside him. Jesus Christ. This incredible treasure is placed in a lump of unattractive clay. And we're that unattractive lump of clay. I'm not saying you're unattractive. I'm just saying that clay is clay, isn't it? If you boil yourself down, you're worth about nine cents on the open market you're mainly dirt that doesn't make you less important that doesn't make you unattractive to God you're incredibly important and attractive to God but the reality is let's just put our physical body in the right perspective your physical body is what you live in exercise it feed it well look after it you know do the right thing but in the end uh, realize the most important thing about you is not what's on the outside it's what's on the inside Now, unfortunately, we live in a world that continually highlights the outside and forgets about the inside. 
So that's why you need to hear such a strong message about what's on the inside because the world is always pushing you to, to make it better what's on the outside. And please understand, we don't all want you coming in here, you know, living in rags and saying, well, the outside doesn't care, matter, you know, and not looking after yourself. That's not the issue. But the reality is, is we've got to get a right perspective on what's really important in life. And Paul says, hey, there's something in within you that's an incredible treasure. The outside is clay, but inside this treasure. And if you want to really know how you can be effective in life and how you can really overcome the suffering and the struggles and the pain. Hey, Jordan. Yep. See you later. If you really want to know what's, you know, the struggles you face, it's really, really the reality is, is if you can understand and get in perspective, the treasure that's inside of you can strengthen you. Here's the secret, Christ, Paul says, it's Christ in you. I'm going to repeat it time and time again this morning because if we can perceive that, if we can understand that, if we can take a, a, a moment to realize that, uh, you know, that the revelation of that, when we draw near to Christ, when we talk to Him, He wants to put Himself within us, the strength, and all the strength, all of heaven stands behind Christ and can live within you. I reckon that's powerful, to face what you face. When I was um, a lot younger, I don't think they have these machines anymore, but there used to be these little machines, and you'd put your 20 cents in. Oh, far out. A long time ago, 20 cents ever had to go in a machine, isn't it? It's more like a dollar, two dollars now. You put these little 20 cents in, and you'd turn it. And, it, and there'd be a clear container that have all these little balls in there, more like ovals, and that have and, and, and little capsules, and, and inside would be little um, lollies, or there'd be little kind of figurines or bubble gum or all types of stuff. And so, you know what? You'd, you'd put your twenty cents in, you'd turn the machine, and and it would release one of them, and it'd come out the bottom. And you know, you'd you'd and there's a little capsule. Part of it sometimes was colored, some, the rest of it was clear, and you'd split it. And you'd take that little capsule, you didn't care about the capsule, how many of them did I throw away? What's <laughs> the outside? But inside was the treasure. Inside was the treasure. And you'd, if it was a bubble gum, you'd chew on that for a week, I tell you, it was brilliant. Sometimes you'd chew on it for the whole day and just go and put it in the fridge while you went to school, come back in the afternoon and you'd chew on it some more. I didn't take it to school because if you get caught with bubble gum at school, the teacher would make you put it in a container and pick another piece out from someone else who'd been chewing. So I never did that. That's what my teacher used to do. Anyway, where's the point here? <laughs> the little treasure. The little treasure. It was worth it. But the capsule on the outside, throw that away. The treasure was inside. A treasure was inside. Have you ever come to Christmas and sometimes you, you get a present and, and you know and you think, oh, what is this? Socks, jocks, hankies. Just what a 13-year-old boy really wants. And you kind of think the worst. And you'd open up the layers of Christmas paper and you think, oh, it's soft. It's going to be a pair of socks or, t you know, hankies or something like that. Uh, you know, and you open it up, you open it up, you open it up. And, and all of a sudden, man... It's this fantastic Nike t-shirt that you just never expected, never expected to get, you know, worth, you know, probably in those days about 25 bucks, and that was expensive. But now, 
you know, uh, and, and, and of course your initial, initial reaction was that, oh, it's probably not going to be much. And you know, there's just such a delight in finding a treasure in something that the outside, you throw the Christmas paper away, you rip the Christmas paper, but the, outs- the inside is where the treasure really lays. And I want to tell you something that we've got to come to the understanding and concept. We've got to have a new perception, a new, we've got to have, we've got to have a different look on life and, and see that the outside really is wonderful, but it doesn't hold the, it, it really is just what holds the treasure. It's really what holds the treasure. And Paul said, would you, he says, there's a perception I have, and it's this, that I'm just a lump of clay, but inside is the real treasure. It's Christ in me. If I just had my way, I'd be so caught up in my ego, in my will, and my plans, and my purposes, and what I think should happen. But when I have Christ in me, I swap that for His purpose, His plan, and His will. And life becomes so much more full. It doesn't mean that I go through less pain and struggle sometimes, but I tell you what, He gives me the strength to face it. Here's the last thing, and we'll finish with this this morning. Not only strength to trust and strength to perceive, but strength to receive. Because you can know something, but never take it into your heart. Strength to receive. Second Corinthians 12. Here's Paul speaking to the Corinthians again. I could have become proud of myself because of the amazing and wonderful things God has shown me. So, I was given a problem that caused pain in my body. It's a messenger from Satan to make me suffer. Well, three times I begged the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is all you need. My power is strongest when you're weak. So I'm very happy now to brag about my, how weak I am and then Christ's power may rest on me. Because of how I suffered for Christ, I'm glad that I am weak. I'm glad that in hard times. I'm glad when people say mean things about me. I'm glad when things are difficult and I'm glad when people make me suffer. Because when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, you'd read this, if you weren't a Christian, you'd read that and go, this guy is ultra, he's insane. He's just totally crazy. That does not make sense. But because we know Christ, you can read that and understand the realities of what he's saying. The reality of the truth of his message. Remember Paul, really, we could call him a super apostle this morning. Um, He was the one who gives us, you know, as I said, a third of the New Testament, about a third of the New Testament. I mean, he healed the sick just with his shadow as he walked past. I mean, he wrote 20 books in his quiet time, that kind of thing. You know what I'm saying. He's just an amazing guy. I mean, the, the guy was very impressive, impressive credentials. You know, he probably prayed more than all of us. He probably gave more than anybody else. Um, and, and, you know, the reality is, Paul says, I'm going to come to you, Corinthians, and this is what I want to tell you about my credentials. No, I want to tell you something really important, that I'm weak. And in my weakness, there is a strength. This is what I want to tell you. That I am weak. See, I don't have to probably ask all of us here this morning, um, are you weak this morning? Because the reality is we've all faced a point in our life where there's a weakness or there's a struggle or there's something that we face that we're still working through. I don't have to ask you that question because there is the reality. That's the truth. But, and we want you to know that not to belittle you, not to put you down, not to say, oh, well, I'm nobody. No, on the contrary, to realize that you're incredible, you're in somebody because your weakness, if you can acknowledge your weakness, you can, it will promote and prompt and give opportunity for Christ to work in you and to you to be strong. I find that when real weakness often comes is when I want to deny and neglect, not dwell on, but deny and 
and neglect the reality that, well, I, I'm just okay. I've got it all together. Now, I'm not saying that we need to dwell on our weakness. I just think we need to acknowledge it and bring it to the foot of the cross. And say, Father, here's my weakness. Um, Paul says, I have a way of keeping Christ's power on the inside of me. And that is acknowledging my weakness in the light of his strength. I have a way of keeping Christ's power on the inside of me. Um, Paul would, you can imagine if Paul walked into church this morning, he'd come in happy and skipping through the church, maybe not literally, but you know, happy. And you'd have every right to say to Paul, Paul, aren't you the guy who was shipwrecked and stoned and whipped? How could you be so happy, Paul? How could you ever be that? He says, well, let me tell you. Let me show you what my strength lays. He says, come over here. See this thorn right here? Well, you know, get a good look at it because, yeah, yeah I've prayed three times for this to be removed from my life. And, you know, and, uh, but it didn't happen. And, you know, because I acknowledge that, I got treasure on the inside of me to keep me going in the midst of the trial. And he is the treasure. You know, this little thing here, it, it hasn't gone. God hasn't taken it from me. But it's okay because I got something stronger. Here's the important thing Paul's trying to say. I prayed three times and acknowledged it was a problem. And Jesus spoke to me and said, my grace is sufficient for you to cope with this thorn. Paul didn't bring it up again. That's it. He just brought it up once in Corinthians here. Paul didn't give, live in self-pity because self-pity is the language of victims, isn't it, really? Some, we need to write that one down. We have continued to question God, maybe, on this issue. But the reality is, I'm not going to pray this thorn out of my life anymore. Instead, I'm going to, um, I'm going to let him give me strength in it so I can walk it out. There's a difference. He prayed. Didn't happen. I'm not going to pray it out. I'm just going to let Christ in so we can walk it out together. We need that in our lives so much. Here's the secret, Paul said, Christ within me. Here's the secret. It's not that we don't face the same situations and temptations and issues in life. Um, it's just that the world hasn't got the power available to them that Christ wants to give them. The power is available when we come to Christ, when we receive Him, when we let the Holy Spirit into our lives. Let me just finish Babies don't have an option about being born. Would you agree? If babies could speak, maybe they'd poke their little head out and they say, I'm not coming out because it's too good in here. Because when you think about the reality, it's warm. They are, they are fed through a tube of their stomach. They don't have to do anything about nutrition or food. They're in a lovely little floating, you know, like a, like a marshmallow in there, or just floating around, enjoying the life. Very cozy, very comforting. It's a comfortable spot in the womb. And then all of a sudden, there's a rude awakening as they've been pushed and they are delivered. And now all of a sudden, they've got to learn things like breathing. They've got to learn things like sucking and eating food and drinking milk. And, and someone cuts off the supply so they have to learn those type of things now. And then someone kind of, you know, hangs them upside down sometimes. I don't, not every baby does that. Probably gynecologists, gynecologists don't do that all the time now. But, you know, and they make you cry. And maybe they'll go and wash you and 
take all that wonderful goo off your body and you thought it was just so nice. And, and you know, all you want to do is you want to say, give me my mother back. And so they do. They put the baby on top of the mother and they say, I didn't mean on top, I meant in. Let me go in again because it's better in there. It's warmer and more comfortable. This life is not comfortable. But over time, the baby learns to enjoy the outside world. They start to see and they start to touch and they start to experience the pains and the gains. And they grow and trust and they perceive some stuff and they receive some stuff and the world is okay now. And while it's not as good as inside the womb, um, they've learned that they can't make the outside world like the inside, but they can let themselves change so they can grow. And they can start to walk and they can start to appreciate and they make changes with the, about the world they live in so that it's a better place for them. There's certain things they don't do and there's certain things they learn to do. And so life for the baby now becomes bearable and the world isn't that bad. And you know, that is such an example of us. And we have to live in a world that we prefer to go back into the comfortable spots of life, the places which don't create any problem for us and don't create heartache and don't create pain or suffering. And, and I've discovered in life generally that if I circumvent or I avoid, maybe a better word, um, the pain and the, the issues and the trials of my life, I never grow. But the good news is, the secret, is that I don't have to try and do this on my own. I have Christ within me. And His power is available. And church, if there's ever something that we need to grow in and that and realize and perceive it and receive it and trust in Him, is that to know that very truth that Paul proclaimed, the power of Christ. Do you know the power of Christ within you? My prayer is that you would. Because, you know, maybe today, this week, or this year has been heartache after heartache. Maybe it's just been problem after problem. I want to tell you, Christ is the answer. Just not for 2016, July, but also next month and next month after that. Here's the answer. Here's the truth. Can we stand together? And so the secret is no longer a secret. Paul said this is the secret. It's no longer a secret. Christ within us makes all the difference. So today... I want to challenge you, encourage you, and I'll pray for you. Say, Father, I want to just pray, God, that, you know, His strength, that you'd have a perception of that. Because, you know what, today you could have His truth um, today, but tomorrow you've got to wake up and have it again, that, hey, I need to rely on Him, that I can put my trust in Him, that I can actually talk to Him about life, I can pray and that He will hear my cry, that He's there again. And you know what? As I continually do, day after day, week after week, month after month, I get stronger. I get stronger. I get stronger. I get stronger.